It is honestly an incredible delight and privilege to welcome Dave and Kathy. I know a number of you know who Dave and Kathy are, but for those who are visiting or maybe have been part of this church uh, more recently, Dave and Kathy uh, have been, were part of church in the city about two and a half or three years into the church starting. I might get some of the dates a little bit wrong. Um, and have served, served on the eldership team for an extended period of time. That's a good way of saying I'm not exactly sure of exactly how long, but it was an extended period. And then about uh, two years ago, uh, Dave and Kathy and their family responded to the Lord's call to move to Columbus. Uh, Dave was given an incredible job opportunity, which um, as he submitted to the team, we prayed and felt it was God opening up a door. And uh, soon after that, about six months or so after that, uh, the Lord added to that call of uh, to, to actually plant a church. And they started faithfully uh, in the basement of their, of their house with uh, their four kids and and Kathy's uh, uh, folks, Clive and Wendy, who are also from uh, from here, and uh, God has just done an incredible thing. You know what we we were just chatting as an eldership team yesterday, and what we were celebrating is not so much you know the seventy or eighty people that God has added, but just the simplicity of the, the fact that they said yes to the Lord. They responded to what God had put on their hearts to do, and I think that's a lesson for us all just to just to say, Lord, what have you called me to? Uh, what Rachel was saying, what have you called me to? Uh, where have you called me to outwork your plan and purpose? And for us to say yes to that, that is what success in the kingdom looks like. And this couple, this family, to me, epitomize uh, just the favor of God, the goodness of God. So when we were deciding who to have for our 12th birthday celebration, as far as I was concerned, there was no question that we wanted to get Dave and Kathy back and, and have them minister this morning. So Dave, if you want to just take a seat for a few moments on the, the ledge here, um, this lady, Kathy, is uh, a woman that I honestly respect more than I think she realizes. She has an incredibly uh, tender heart to, 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 you know, to God, to the Father, um, and, an, and an amazing discernment to, to pick up what, is, what he's saying. There have been times where I've uh, tried to run ahead of the things of the Lord, um, sometimes with Dave, and Kathy has felt just a real certainty of what God was actually calling us to. And uh, as it turns out, she was right a number of times. So I've learned, to, I've learned a, a lesson, and that is to take, uh, take seriously what Kathy says. Um, just an amazing woman in God. And um, so I wanted her, Kathy, I would love for you just to share a little bit about uh, your journey so far. Um, just catch everyone up as to what God is doing in Columbus, um, what, in your family, and, and at 614 as well. Hi. Happy birthday. This is a great-looking church. <laughs> There's a lot of faces I don't know, so I'm Kathy. Um, thanks for having my hubby and I and our kids here to celebrate 12 years. I mean, 12 years, that's a long time if you think about it. From where we, when they started in their apartment to here and just seeing the, just the, the step by step, the little by little, the faithful, the faithfulness, the, pers- the perseverance and just patience and seeing what God is building. It's just, it blows you away. And just the faithfulness of people of, and the sacrifice and the hard work. And just seeing what God is doing. So happy birthday, six. Happy birthday, church in the city. I nearly said 614. You know how many times I've done that there? <laughs> I was like, Hi, welcome to church in the 614. <laughs> it's a good thing. Um, so like Steve said, we left um, just saying, okay, here we go, to a city. We actually didn't know where Columbus was, um, to be honest. And we got there and we were like, okay, this is home. And throughout those few months of just figuring out, Lord, what it, why? Yeah, going, moving for careers is great, but 
what else do you have for us? Just knowing and sensing there was something. And God spoke so clearly and so simply and so just at peace, like just start a church. And literally that next week, we started a church in our basement with the kids. And I still remember David going, yeah, here we go. Let's go downstairs and start this church. (laughs) We all got dressed, went downstairs, (laughs) had worship, preached with the kids and my parents, and that was church. And before our eyes, people started coming. They just started arriving. They were just hungry for God. And just we've witnessed over these last two years, no, eight, what, year and a half, November will be two years, just God is building his church. His kingdom is advancing, and we get to be a part of it. He, he is king, and we get to serve, to serve him, and we get to worship him with everything that we have. Yeah, it's hard work. Yeah, it requires sacrifice. Yeah, it requires stepping out in faith, and sometimes it just feels like you're walking in this blindness, but he is faithful every step of the way. And just personally, Steve asked me just what I have learned. I've learned that we've not arrived. We don't really quite know what we're doing. Honestly, it's a little nerve-wracking. But we haven't arrived. And yet God has so much more and wants to show us so much more of who he is. And I've just been so amazed of just learning about him as, as our king. If we really think about it, he is, he is king of kings. He is it. And why wouldn't we want to parent our kids as our worship to him? Why wouldn't we want to love our spouses as worship and service to him? Why wouldn't we want to work faithfully, tirelessly at our jobs as worship and service to him? And it's been, it's been a journey, but, and we're still on this journey, and with you guys still going forward. But God, yeah, he is just incredible and faithful, and the kids are doing well, and the church is growing, and people are getting saved, and people are getting healed, and lives are being restored, and we get to be a part of seeing and witnessing what he is doing. So. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask Kathy just to do one more thing. Dave, why don't you come up as well? I would love Kathy to introduce her husband uh, oh, to us. Tell us something amazing about this man, <laughs> and, then, um, and then I'd love for you to pray for him and ask, ask God just to use Remember him. I have the mic after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I must say for... What? Wow, how do I start this? <laughs> I do love this man. He is pretty incredible. Um, just how he's led the family. And just, I must say, being C- CFO in a bank, working the crazy, ridiculous hours, coming home, loving the kids, loving me, going, waking up 5.30 morning, every morning, because Monday is tomorrow, and Sunday you're preaching, and Monday is the next day, and Sunday you're preaching. Faithfully, every Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, waking up, praying for the church. What is God saying? Starting, getting to church early, just giving of himself faithfully. And we just, we get to get the reward and enjoy it. So. Thank you. (laughs) So, Father, yeah, I just thank you for him, Lord. I ask that the word that you've given him, that you will speak through, 
your love, your power, Lord. We'll just, we just want to be receptive to you, Father God. Just bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You got Thank it. You. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you very much. Um, Twelve years. We were, we'd be, we were here for nine years, Steve. We got here after a year and a half and uh, loved the journey. And um, I just want to thank the elders. Thank you for inviting us back. Thank you for honoring us and uh, letting us speak to you as a church. It's a, it is an amazing privilege. Uh, so thank you. I, I do believe God has given me a, a word for, for the church this morning. Um, but it's going to take about two or three minutes, and I've got about 20 minutes to set it all up. So if you'll let me, uh, <laughs> right? So just hang on in there. Um, a couple months ago, uh, Easter Sunday, I think it was March 27th it was, um, I was preaching at church on, uh, on Easter, and I thought to take the topic of um, Easter from the father's point of view. You know, what, what was it like for a, for a dad to go through Easter, you know? to give up his son to, for us, you know, what we get to benefit. What was it like from the dad's point of view? And uh, so I thought of that as preparing, and then Sunday morning comes, and I realized it's my own father's birthday today. March 27th, it was his birthday. I thought I've got to give him a call. So I give him a call and say, Dad, I love you. And, you know, he's, I think he turned 66. And um, we're talking, talking a little bit, and he says to me, he said, you know, I was just thinking yesterday, he says, of the day you left South Africa. Uh, we've lived here for 15 years now. Um, he said, remember a few days before you and I went to go play golf? And uh, there was a little golf course near our house. He said, you remember? I'm like, yeah, I remember. And we had such a good time. He said, he says, I was okay that day. He says, I was a little sad, but, but I was okay. You know, I, you're my son, and we love spending time together. And uh, I said, yeah. He says, I remember the, I think it was a Sunday we actually left. He said, do you remember that day? I said, yeah. You took me to the airport and we went for a meal first. He said, I was also really sad that day, but I was still okay. I was still okay. I was like, okay. Where are we going, Dad? <laughs> he, said, he said, Monday morning, he said, I drove to work and I drove past the golf course where you and I played golf. He says, and I broke down and cried. And now I am. <laughs> he said he had to pull over because he realized he wasn't going to be able to just stop in and spend time with me, to just call and hang out. That's the kind of dad I have. We love hanging out. We love talking. I've always talked to my dad about everything. As a kid, about girlfriends, about problems, about sports, about music. I remember my dad taking me to go buy my first, um, it was like a, Boombox, first one. And, you know, anyway, it was small, but it was my boombox. And we had a great, great, great relationship. To this day, I'm 40 years old. When big decisions come along my way, I call my dad first. And we talk, and we talk, and that's the kind of relationship I had. He said, I realized I wasn't going to be able to just stop in and talk. And it was, oh, it made me cry so much, you know, on, on that morning. And... Um, I basically said, well, thanks, Dad. I'm not supposed to preach now. <laughs> um, I, I got to spend a few days with him in uh, Banff, you know, Banff in, in uh, Canada a few months ago as well. And just two days of talking, talking, talking about the kids, about the church, about everything. I love it. I love my dad. Um, he's the best dad ever. What I wanted to say here, though, is it has been our father's, Let's talk capital F, Father's intent to have that kind of relationship 
with us since the very beginning. Why do I say that? Genesis 3 verse 8. I did not give you guys any slides. If you want to put verses up, it's up to you. But in Genesis 3 verse 8, it says, this is right after the fall when they sinned. It says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord God among the trees. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? So what happened right before the sin, right before the fall, God was walking hand in hand in the cool of the day, in the middle of the garden, talking, hanging out in the presence of these people he just created. That was the intent that God had all along. To me, that's probably the biggest shame of what happened when sin came along. It separated us from that unhindered, unbroken, unfiltered relationship with the Father, right? That's what, what, what Sid, sin did. It was completely unhindered because they noticed right away that they were naked. And I always picture um, a relationship with the Father before the fall, being completely naked. Right now you think it's weird, but it's just mentally and spiritually naked means there is nothing covering your thoughts or your intent or you're not filtering any words. There's nothing covering you up. You're pure. There's this pure, unfiltered, unhindered relationship with the Father. That's what the Father wants with us. See, God has created us in the natural to be in families. We have you know, mothers, fathers. We're supposed to be in families. We're supposed to hang out. Our fathers give us identity. And our fathers give us affirmation, don't they? If everything was going well. Let's talk utopia here for a minute. If you were in a good family, I'm telling you it would look like this. Your father and your mother would give you a sense of security. Your father and your mother would affirm you. They would, they would encourage you. They would lift you up. Even us, when we go to our kids watching them play violin or playing sport or whatever, it actually really doesn't matter how good or, or bad they are. You're like, look at them. They're so awesome. And they come home and you're like, you were so great. You were amazing. Because our hearts are to affirm and give identity to our children, right? And that is, that is the way God intended it. He intended that for us to be in a family where we are so secure and we're so built up and we are, we're whole, we're safe in our families. Even Jesus, when Jesus was on earth, if you remember, right before he started his ministry, before he started any of the miracles, any of the preaching, any of the disciple making, any of the whatever, he got baptized and a loud voice came down and said, God the Father said, this is my son Gave him identity in who I am well pleased. Gave him affirmation. Before he did anything, that's the Father's intent for us. That is the Father's intent for us. But sin entered the picture, and this, this split happened. And I feel like since for generations, we can go back from where we are now, the enemy has tried to break down our family units. And, you know, for the longest time, I talked to you a little bit about my, my own dad. Uh, I almost didn't want to talk about it because I have so many friends who have bad relationships with their parents. And I almost didn't want to say anything because I'm like, well, I don't want to brag. Or, I don't want to make you feel bad because you didn't have that. But it just it clicked to me a few months ago. I'm like, 
God gave this to me, and it's, it's a model. It's a way for us to, to look at what could be, what kind of relationship could be. Not so much that I want to make you feel, you know, like, oh, my dad, this, that. No, but my father can be that to me, my heavenly father. My father can give me identity. My father can give me affirmation. My father can blow wind in my sails like we do with our own kids. That is the intent that the father has for us, Right? I was thinking about South Africa a little bit. I grew up there, and um, you all should know about apartheid and, and just the horribleness of that whole thing. One of the consequences of apartheid that I don't think we, we think about a lot is people were moved off into their own um, separate homelands, what's called these separate lands. And because it just doesn't practically work, the, the, the government would force these people or, or industry would force these men to come and work in mines, right? But they were hundreds of miles from where their families were. So what happened was thousands and millions of people for two or three generations were separated from their families where men would go and mine or women would go and be domestic workers and the family unit just broke up and you have two generations of people who grew up without fathers and mothers in their homes, without identity, without affirmation, without the values that we've learned in good and healthy families. It's something we don't think about a lot. It's, it's a terrible shame. I think we need fathering more in South Africa. You could say similar to here in, in the U.S. I feel like you have two situations here, breaking up families. One, we, have, we are such a workaholic nation, aren't we? Most people have two or three weeks vacation, and, and people are working 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, what is that doing? We're getting so fixed on our, on our assets, we're separating ourselves from our families. And our kids are growing up without fathers in the home. Our kids are growing up with our mothers in the home. And that identity and that affirmation is broken. I even think I was reading this thing about the high level of incarceration in this country. How many fathers are being taken away from their families? Now you have kids, boys and girls, growing up without moms and dads because our prisons are fuller than any country in the world. And now what's happening? They're, the cycle is just continuing. I feel one of the revolutions we need again is honoring fathers and mothers, honoring families, building stronger families to build um, affirmation and identity at the core, in our core, in our hearts as we grow up. I think that's such an important role that the church has to play, teaching fathers and mothers to be fathers and mothers, to value, to value your families, to not put your work ahead of your families, to not put your whatever it is you're chasing ahead of what God has called us to do. Amen? I think in the spiritual and I think, I know, in the spiritual, we've also been created to be in families, right? Psalm 68, I think, one of the verses you guys had way up front, it says God puts the lonely into families, not into organizations, not into community groups. God puts the lonely into families. God put you, if this is your church, he put you into a family, Right? More than any other name that God chooses to reveal himself in Scripture, what does he say? Father. Father. He reveals himself as Father. Not as CEO. Not as Lion. Not as King. 
It's there, but primarily his father. It's relational. It's how we respond. It's how he wants us to respond to him. Amen. So it's 614. That's our church name, 614 Church. It's the area code. Like you have 312 and 773. We have 614. And uh, as soon as we pick the name, they announced that they are now going to get another area code. And we were like, ugh. But anyway, uh, off the point. Uh, we've been preaching through the, the book of John every week, taking a chapter and, and highlighting jo- uh, Jesus, the word of God, Jesus, the healer, Jesus, the bread of life, Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus, the vine. Every, week, every chapter, there's another uh, way that Jesus is being revealed. What's, what I've found interesting through this whole series, though, is as we're looking so in detail at who Jesus is, is looking at how Jesus talks about his father. He's constantly, in the book of John, talking about his father. Not God, not sovereign God, which he is, and not king. He's, he keeps talking about his father. He says, look at my father. Look at this. Look at this. Constantly a father. The, the, the gospel of John, over a hundred times, does Jesus talk about his father or refer to his father or talk, saying, using the word father. So I wanted to do a little thing with you. Um, I picked out ten, literally ten chapters chapters where another attribute of, of God, the Father, was being revealed. Um, I encourage you, I'm not going to do this justice, I'm not going to get into every one of the verses, but I encourage you, go into the book of John and, and read these. Read these, underline the word Father, and just see how often this comes up, and see how Jesus relates to his Father. In John 1, we see that Jesus becomes, Jesus was the Word. The Word became flesh, and then it says, and it displayed the glory of the Father. Jesus displayed the glory of the Father. The Word became flesh, displaying the glory of the Father. In John 2, Jesus is in the temple, and they're doing all sorts of stuff in the temple that Jesus doesn't approve of, and he gets all mad, and he drives them out. What does he say? This is my Father's house. You get that? Not... This is the church, or this is our building, or this is our precious this or that. This is my father's house. So he's, he's getting mad not about the building. He's getting mad about what it is. This is where his father gets worshipped, where his father gets honored. And you guys are defiling this, he says. See that? John 3, he tells people, not that God loves him. He says, the father loves me. And then in John 3, 16, we all know that he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Who gives a son? The father gives a son. So you could almost say the father so loved the world that he gave his only son. John 4, he's at the well and the the woman is there and they're having that whole thing about her having all her husbands and all that. What does he say? He says, the time has come when worshipers will worship the father. Worship the Father. John 5. Jesus starts introducing his work. He says, the work that I do is the work of the Father. He says, what I am doing, the healing, the praying, the prophesying, the speaking, I am doing my Father's work. So relational, isn't it? So relational. I'm doing my Father's work. He saw the praying, the preaching, the healing, the miracles... As his father's work. He says, I see what my father is already doing, and I'm doing it. Yeah. 
Amen. He says the Father raised the dead, and so I'm also doing it. John, I'm going to skip a few verses. Uh, John 14, he starts preparing these guys for him going back to heaven. And he says, my father has a house with many rooms. Remember that one? You guys are allowed to go, hey, can I have a little? Come on. I told myself I wouldn't do that. He said his father's house has many rooms, and Jesus is going to prepare a room for you. How relational is that? Not, I think one translation says as many mansions, and I'm going to prepare a mansion for you. That's only the King James, I think, that says that. All the others say, my father has a house with many rooms. We're going to be living together. I don't know how it's going to work, but in a house with many rooms. That not an impersonal God, or a above-it-all God, your Father is preparing for you. Amen? In 14, he also talks about having access to the Father. Only through Him can we have access to the Father. John 15, I preached on this last week. It says, Jesus is the true vine. And we were reading all about that. And then he says, His Father is the vine dresser. His, farmer is the, his Father is the farmer. He's the pruner. It's your father, not, again, circumstance or, you know, uh, what do we say? All sorts of nonsense. Your father prunes you because he wants you to grow and bear fruit. Who likes that part of it? Can I have a witness? All right, John 16. John 16, it talks about how your father provides for you. I'm not putting words in here. I, I'm, not, I'm not making this all be about the Father. These are the actual words Jesus used. He says, my Father is your provider. He says, pray, whatever you will. If you're abiding in Him, pray, and my Father will provide for you. My Father will answer. Amen? John 17, the great chapter about praying and intercession. We see Jesus interceding for us. It says... To the Father. He's interceding to his Father. Talking to his Father about the future, about the day of his death. And then about all those, he says, that my Father has given me. I will not lose any of those that my Father has given me. What a dad. Huh? Isn't that incredible? You see this relationship. I'm going to ask one more. If you guys do put verses up there, John 20, I think it's verse 13. That I should have written down. Anyway, here we go. This is my favorite. Right when Jesus gets raised from the dead, Mary is there, right? Maybe you remember this. Mary sees him, and she's weeping, and he's like, what's going on? And she says, haven't you heard? You know, you know the whole story. And when she realizes it's Jesus, what does she do? She literally jumps on him and clings to him. And what does Jesus say? He says, let go of me. I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to the disciples. He says, I am going and tell them that I am going to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Goodness me, when I read that a few months ago, it just, I was like, what? He, he made such a connection. We did it once before in the verse when he taught us how to pray. He says, say our Father in heaven. But up until that, he's constantly talking about his father. 
But here, he brings it all together. Tell them, tell the disciples, I'm going to my father and your father. I'm going to my God and your God. He makes it so impersonal. If you ever had any doubts that God the Father wants to be your father, this is the verse you have to hang on. Did you find it or did I completely put you on the wrong place? All right. I did. It's in John 20, kind of in the first half somewhere, where Jesus comes out and she clings to him. I am going to my father and your father. God wants us to know him intellectually, emotionally, experientially as father. Friends, I encourage you today, if anything happens, for it to get away from just your head and let it sink into your heart and that we can start calling him father, my father. My Father, my Father, because the Lord wants to heal us of any of the nonsense that we've experienced here and show us what true identity and affirmation is. The way the Father speaks to Jesus, the way Jesus speaks to his Father, is what our relationship with him could look like. Amen? He wants us to relate to verse 17. (laughs) That's why I married her. John 20, verse 17. Go, Go read that one. Um, God wants us to relate to him as father, listen here, not as slaves, not as workers, not as obedient, you know, Klingons. We are sons and daughters. Amen? God wants your work to be your father's work. See it as your father's work. That's hard, right? Isn't that hard? I find that hard. I do finance and I, I literally stare at Excel about four or five hours a day. How do you see that as your father's work? It is. Because he's called me there to make a difference at my bank. He's called me there to have those conversations when the time is right. He's called me there to be an encourager. He's called me there to be the best boss that my employees have ever had. Why? Because I am I have the light of the world in me. I am my father's son. Of course it's going to be better for you. My father's son is sitting right here. Sounds a little arrogant, right? But it isn't. It's good. It's good. That's who you are. Who you are. We're going to get there. All right. (laughs) Let me just say this. Don't let your natural father, mother authority situation that you grew up with. It's your past. Don't let it dictate your future. Don't. Don't let it. Let it go. Let it go. (laughs) Jesus and John, I I think the reason John picked up on this relationship with the Father so much is because Jesus wants us to see this as well. He wants to example this to us, to walk in the same way. So how do we grow in this? Um, goodness me, where is the time going? How, I'm having so much fun. How do we grow in this? This is a few little things to think of. Number one, if your own situation is sucky, I'm really sorry, but I encourage you to put it behind you. If it's your mom, if it's your dad, if it's your boss, if it's an authority figure you had, you know what? Recognize it for what it is. It sucks, but I forgive them. Because God wants me to be free and God wants me to cling on to Him as Father. 
even my dad is as near as perfect as you can find. There were things that him and I had to work through as well that God just helped me through. And we had, I had such an amazing breakthrough in, in the way I see my own father. And he was, I mean, he's good. There's a lot of people who don't have it as good. But even him, who's not perfect, I had to work through things. But so much so, I encourage you, let it go. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And then tomorrow, you may have to forgive again, forgive again and again. And so on Tuesday and Wednesday, until it becomes every other day, until it becomes every third day or every week. And then maybe for two months, you're totally fine. And then something happens again. You know what you do again? Forgive, 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 because your Father wants you to be free. Amen. Jesus' life on earth was, uh, life on earth was an example. Yes, he was our Savior. Yes, he came to do the work, the great big work that reconciled us back to God. But also, his 30-something years here on earth was an example. He wanted us to see what it looks like, how he talks to his Father. That's why I'm saying go read John again over and over and over. Underline it. Use his words. Use the words that Jesus used. Use the words that he used. Our confession, even if your mind isn't there, your confession will change your mind which will change your heart, and it will become your reality. I mean that. I mean it. We say so many negative things all the time, constantly giving affirmation to your past. Start affirming your future. Amen. Refer to God as Father. I don't know if you journal. If you don't, do it. It's fun. And when you start, say, Dad or Father or my Father. Start talking to your Father. Get this thing right. Let's, let's reshape our thinking. Call this place your father's house. Have you thought of that? When you worship together, you are in your father's house. It's not the building. You are in a gathering of your father's sons and daughters. This is your father's house. Start using the language that will help us get healed up from the nonsense that we carry and start walking in the authority that Jesus has given us. Amen? Call your work your Father's work. You're praying. You're praying for the sick. You're praying for miracles is your Father's work. You going to corporate whatever is your Father's work. You being your artist or student or whatever you've called, He's called you into, is your Father's work. Why do I say that? Acts seventeen twenty six. He says, He has called you for this time and this place so that you could seek God. God has chosen this time and this place for you to be in this city, in this job, in this situation, so that you can seek God. And then he says, and yet, I'm not that far away. I encourage you, walk with a renewed mind. Walk with some swagger. Is that okay? Can we say that? Let's do this little. Here's a question and answer. Who owns it all? Try that again. Who owns it all? No, no. My father. Who owns it all? Who knows it all? That's right. Who loves you? Louder. Who loves you? Who loves you? Passionately loves you. Your father loves you. Who has all the power? Your father does. What is your circumstance? It doesn't matter. Who owns it all? My Father does. Amen? Amen. Who can save, heal, and deliver? 
Your father can. My father can. Who calls you to do the same? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I think if we believe this, we will walk with a little bit of swagger. Uh-huh. A little bit of confidence into your workplace. A little bit of confidence when you start praying for someone. You're not begging an impersonal God. You're walking, doing the work of your father who has called you to Chicago, who's called you to your neighborhood, to your work, to your small group, to your community groups, to your cycling club, whatever it is. He's called you to do the work of the father. And friends, he is not just a father. He's a good father. He's a father who doesn't abandon. He doesn't abuse. He provides all you need. He speaks words of life to you. When you hear words that are not bringing life, that is not your father speaking to you. He creates. He puts dreams in you. He enjoys spending time with you. Do you know that? He enjoys spending time with you. He refreshes your soul. That's my father. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. You want to come up, Sheetal? Then he gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us gifts. He gives you natural gifts, and then he gives us spirit gifts. She led a word at the prayer meeting. I thought it's important just before I finish to, to share that. Yeah, I just had a picture of Will and Kate. I think everyone knows them, the British monarchy. And contrasting that with a picture of Braveheart or like a general in the army, if you don't know who Braveheart is. And just the idea that Will and Kate have a title or position as, you know, Her Royal Highness or whatever, but they have no authority, really. They have no power. They just have a title. Whereas a general in the army has both a title and authority and power. They say a word and it gets done and people comply and people go to war or step back. And I just felt God wanted to give us a revelation of his authority as king, that he not only has the title of king, but he has the authority as a king Mm. to make things happen, to move in power, that we don't serve someone who's impotent, we serve someone who's almighty and all-powerful. And we are a people on a mission following a king with authority, not just a group of people who are here to just be nice and friendly. We have a mission under a king with authority. Awesome. Awesome. I I thought that was important because... um, the, the word I'm, I'm getting now to what I feel like God wanted to say to you. All right. <laughs> I feel like in your 12th birthday, God gave me just two main words for you. You're, this is a coming of age, right? In the, in the Jewish tradition, the, the, when girls become 12, it's a bat, bat mitzvah, I think. Um, the boys are at 13, the girls are at 12. It's, I, I believe it's a coming of age for this church. It's, it, God is now wanting to um, put you in a new season of maturity and a new season of authority. And so I, I felt that as I was praying for you, Kathy and I both, just, just what God is calling this church into. It's a season of maturity that you're walking into. There are great foundations that have been put in place. Great foundations. There's a great culture in place. It's a great future, great inheritance for us to take a hold of now. Right? always felt like this. You've learned to ride the bike, now ride it. <laughs> right? There's been such a training and such an input that God has put into, into this church and you, have, you've, as you've come to this church, it's time to ride that bike and go take the city. I felt this is not a time for complacency. I want to encourage you with that. You've not arrived. You're now mature. Your voice is broken and now we're going, right? 
It's not a time to be complacent. It's a time for advancing. It's not a time for settling. It's a time for dreaming and for putting those dreams into action. So many of you are sitting here with dreams that you're like, oh, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? Let the Father speak life into it. It may be time to start, to go, to take some risks. It's a time for starting more businesses. God has given you gifts and He's given you dreams. It's a time for more church plants. I know you're about to do another one. But it's a time for you guys to start thinking and dreaming. What is God doing? I love that bus tour idea. That's awesome. I mean, go drive around the city. Where is He calling you to go? Maybe start a small group there. Sorry, I'm not giving you guys like what you have to do, but put those dreams back in your hearts and put some action to them because this is a time of maturity for this church. Amen? You're not orphans. You're sons and daughters with a great, great calling. And the thing of authority, there is a new season of authority, I believe, and that's why it's important. That's why I spent my first time, the first half, the first part of this message to talk to you about your father if we understand our father you'll understand the authority that you have behind you as you walk into what he's called you to be amen Jesus before he sends us out in Matthew 28 he says all all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me now go it's with that authority that we can walk into the, what he has asked us to do. Pray with authority. Plant with authority. Create with authority. Dream. So I just pray that the Lord bless you as a church. The Lord bless you, that he bless you, that your Father blesses you, and that your times with him would be so amazing intellectually, emotionally, and experientially knowing the love in the hand of the Father. Amen. That's what I had. Can we pray? Do you mind uh, finishing us off with that song? I asked James if we could just do that, that song. He's a good, good father. I don't know if you know that one. But just take a moment. I know I've gone a little long, but just take a moment to, to let this sink in. Let this sink into our hearts. Isn't that good? Isn't he good? If you sit here and you don't know, if you've never given your life to Jesus, it's impossible to get to the Father without submitting our lives to Jesus. So I encourage you, the the scripture, I think it was John 14, it says, no one can have access to the Father without Jesus. I encourage you guys, this life with God, with our Father, is incredible not easy but it's incredible it's incredible it's destiny it's a future it's life if there's anyone sitting here you haven't given your life to Jesus I'd love to pray with you this morning you want to just stick up your hand and I know there's someone here I could pray with you and all we need to do is not sign anything 
not commit to this church, what you're doing is placing your trust and your faith in Jesus. And you're beginning your access back to the Father and this relationship with the Father that will give you a sense of identity and security that you have never had. Anyone like that? Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you care so much about us, Lord, that you put it all over Scripture, that you wanted us to have a relationship back with the Father, that you wanted to walk with us us in the garden, that you tore the veil when Jesus was torn, that you told St. Jesus to tell us we're going to have a relationship with the Father, with our Father. We worship you, Jesus, and we thank you for all that you've done. And Father, we want to say, we receive your love. We receive your love. Stand with me, if you will. We receive your love. Right now, we receive your love. We receive, we accept that you are a good, good, good Father. Father, we say sorry for the things we've held on to, for the hurts that we keep hanging on to. We know it's not your heart. It's not your intent. You are a good Father who wants us to walk forward into our future and into the great freedom that you have for us. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you.